Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Keely did an amazing job, didn't she? The Lord just wants you to know he's really proud of you. Will you start writing sermons for me? (laughs) She's awesome, isn't she? (laughs) Now we, yeah. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. Wow, I am so incredibly appreciative of, uh, of, of the people that we reach and the lives that are changed and what we do. And um, sometimes I'm just, you know, so filled up by it. And I, I was incomplete. And I've seen it twice. So, okay, I've seen it a, little, I've seen it a few more times than that. So, uh, and to see it every, each and every time that I've used that video, I go, wow. This, we as a church have an opportunity to see lives radically changed. By the power of God. And so, you know what? It, it, sermons and messages, and we try hard, but man, it's the life that's changed. That's the proof in the pudding that what we talk about on a Sunday morning is not just, you know, a talking head, but that it's truth that works. And so I am incredibly appreciative. Uh, th- she's an amazing volunteer, pours her heart and in in soul in what she does, and I am very, very grateful. And, and I did hear God say, He said, Tell her. But I'm really proud of her. <clears throat> Next step. Um, I'm, let, me, let me just give you a little bit of insight uh, to the next step. Uh, for those of you that are maybe here for the very first time and, and don't really know what the next step's all about, it's, it's really a, a, a church. It's about a church. It's a campaign about a church that has a heart that we want to make a difference in the community that we live. We just do. And so occasionally with stuff like that, then we have to build buildings and we have to, there's things that we have to do because we have to make room. We have to do better with what we have, and, and so we know that. It's not always the most fun thing to talk about, but yet it's the truth, and that's what we have to do and navigate through it. So um, we actually have, I can make a correction, we actually have $351,000 that's uh, already been committed. I happen to know about a $20,000 three-year commitment that, that some other folks don't know about, so... Now, again, if, if this, you're kind of new to this whole thing, what you don't know is that we actually have a matching gift up to $400,000. So you can take that $351,000 that's been committed over the, you know, over the next three years, and you can double that. So we know we had at least $702,000. We're the only weird church in town, believe it or not, out of... <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I'm not kidding you. Every Every consultant that would want to come in and straighten us out, that we, they leave scratching their heads. They go, what? 
We have over $85,000 that's in the bank that's already been given. That, that's a pretty much a wow. When you look at, we've only had 351. So almost a third of the money in four months has already come in in the bank. What makes that even weirder, is that a word? Uh, Keely, help me. Is that a word? It, we just made it up. Um, what makes things even a little more strange is, is that, believe it or not, uh, uh, that 85000 was not, not all of that was given by the folks who have made the $351,000 commitment over three years. <laughs> it's just people that, that have just given. Is that crazy? It's amazing. Yeah, come on now. Y'all got to do better. So I think that's pretty amazing. And so you're probably wondering, yeah, but I mean, like, what's the goal? The goal's like over $2 million. And so you'd think, how are you going to do that? Well, I said in the very beginning, it's going to be a miracle. We're never going to experience this on our own. This is something that is so big that only God can do it. And so here's what I need for you to help me do. Some of you, you're in, you've committed, yay for you. Um, I'm not here to beat you over the head and tell you to give, 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 give. Okay, maybe a little bit. Actually, I'm not. But what I, w- I told our management team, it's what, one of my better moments. You know, we're, we were meeting a couple of weeks ago, I think, and, and so I was meeting with them, and I said, you know what, I've been praying about this literally almost every single day for about a year and a half. And I said, I, you know, I hope all you guys are praying with me. If, you, if you're not praying, don't tell me. And I can't tell you. I said some other stuff that I can't really repeat here. But I told them I would be really, really mad if I knew that they weren't helping me pray. Does that make sense? And so what I need for you to do, will you just commit to help me pray about this? Because what we're praying for, you have to understand, is a miracle. That's what we're praying for. There's no way that with, with us as a church, uh, we're not the richest church in town. Some of you have already figured that out. <laughs> but what we do is we serve a Heavenly Father who owns it all. And so we're just going to continue to pray and, and seek His will. Y'all g- good with that? Woo-hoo. Thank you. Uh, today, uh, we're, uh, we're in this series called Running in Circles, and today we're going to talk about how we tend to run in circles with approval. So is that okay? Can I talk about approval? Do y'all approve? <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Um, if anything will cause you to run in circles is seeking the approval of others. Let me tell you why. Trying to seek the approval of others is like trying to hit a moving target. You, you never, it's, it's never still, it's constantly moving. What one group approve of, approves of, another group disapproves of. What one person loves, another person hates. And so for you to constantly be trying to, 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 to make somebody else happy is to constantly be trying to hit a moving target. And here's the thing, here's the thing. You will lose yourself in the process. You'll come to the realization one day that you don't have any convictions of your own. You don't have any thoughts of your own. There's nothing that's original. It happens a lot with Christians. A lot of Christians that I've met over the years are willing to get up on their soapbox and are willing to preach against something. And there's been a few times over the years that I've said, like, okay, I'm glad that you're willing to take a stand. Do you have a biblical uh, reference for that? I mean, do you have any Bible to back yourself up? And it's been weird because they'll go, no. I mean, my pastor must because he preaches on this all the time. Our church must because our church has always taken a stand. I said, well, you know what? But what do you think? You lose yourself. You lose your own identity. You'll never be who God's created you to be. 
if you're constantly trying to win the approval of others. Now, some of you probably are thinking, I think I'm doing good. I'm good. I don't think I really, you know, live my life trying to win the approval of others. Let me give you five signs just to make sure. I'll give you a little bit of a gut check. Five signs that you might be living for the approval of others. The first one is this, is that you at least occasionally worry about what others think. That you at least occasionally worry about what others think. If you've ever given a speech, if you've ever given a speech, raise your hand. Given a speech. So when you give a speech, were you nervous? <clears throat> Most people that have to give a speech, you know, I give up every single week. I'm in front of people every single week. I get a little bit nervous. I used to get a lot more nervous than I do now. But the answer to that would be yes. And why? Why do we get nervous? Because we're afraid of what other people are going to think, Right? So no matter who you are, no matter if you're a pastor on a Sunday morning or you're given a, a, you know, a, a, something in class, you're having a project to present, it doesn't really matter. When you're in front of a group of people, you want people to think that you're good, that you're cool, that, you're, that they approve of you, right? Absolutely. So how many of you would be willing right now to just admit right here in front of God and everybody, I do occasionally struggle trying to win the hearts of a few other people. Go ahead and get your hands up. For those of you that don't have your hands up, you know why you don't? Because you're afraid of what other people think. <clears throat> I'm just saying. Second sign that you might be living for the approval of others is you are overly sensitive. And I hate to admit this. I don't like admitting this. You know, my thing is, I'm a big bad man. Don't mess with me, right? That's the way most of us as men are. We're full of testosterone and we want to stick our chest out. Man, I'm not. But the truth of it is, is that we can at times, I can at times, be a little bit overly sensitive. And it's weird how that happens. A hundred people can walk up to me, five hundred people can walk up to me after a Sunday and say, Pastor, that was an awesome message. And then I can have that one person. You know that one person? And here's the thing about that one person. It's not what they said. It's not necessarily that they told me that it was awful, that it was terrible. It's not necessarily that. It's that, it's that they just they said something. It's not what they said. It's the, it's the way they said it. <clears throat> and then, I didn't think about it then, but, you know, I think about it that afternoon. I go home. I'm, you know, I'm in the recliner watching the game. Everything's good. And then that comment will come back into my head. And I'll think, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not what they said. It's kind of the way they said it. It's the look on their face. And so then I build this whole case that I don't know for sure, but maybe they don't like me. Maybe they don't approve of me. And the whole thing is I don't really know for sure because I zoom in on the one thing that may or may not necessarily be negative. It's crazy. Maybe for you, you know, you go to the mall, get you some new clothes. You know what I'm talking about? You take your friends with you. So you walk into the store and you're trying some stuff on and you walk out of the dressing room and your friends say, you look good. I mean, that, that's awesome. It's slenderizing. And you say, I'll take five pair. <laughs> the sales clerk looks at you and says, wow, that's amazing. Let me tell you what will help you look better is if you buy this to accessorize those pants and that sweater and that shirt. And so you walk out with all this stuff and you feel so good, you can't wait to go out in public. You're looking for the very first time, right, when you can hit the world and say, look at me. And so you walk out and you're just, you know, nobody says anything, but you're kind of looking for that, that statement that says, you know what, you look amazing. I mean, wow, you really look amazing. Have you lost weight? 
Well, it's these slenderizing pants that I'm wearing. I mean, you really, you look amazing. That color is so good on you. You know, that camouflage brings out the green in your eyes. I mean, it's, wow. And here's the thing. Nobody says anything, and then finally, at, by the end of the day, by the end of the night, you're kind of thinking, what's, what's wrong with me? I was so excited. Nobody said anything about my new clothes. Or you'll look back at what maybe somebody said or didn't say, or it's not what they said, but it's a look on their face. They said, you, you, you look good. And then you think, well, do they really mean that? Because I don't know that they really believe what they just said, and you walk away discouraged because you're seeking the approval of others. Or maybe for you, you get a friend from, a, you know, you text one of your friends, one of your best friends, and, and you don't hear anything back from them. And uh, so you're thinking, you know, are they mad at me? How can they possibly be mad at me? I'm the bomb. Well, I used to be the bomb. Well, I'm not, how come I'm not the bomb? How come I'm not the bomb anymore? I used to be the bomb anymore. And you know what? By now, they haven't texted me. I mean, I don't what? How bad is it when your best friend won't text you back? I'm a loser. All because somebody didn't respond to you in an appropriate time frame for you. Third sign that perhaps you're living for or from the approval of others is, uh, is you compromise your, compromise your values. This is really easy, isn't it? For young ladies who really love Jesus with your whole heart, you do. You love Jesus, you want to live for Jesus. And maybe you're dating a guy, maybe he loves Jesus. But somewhere along the lines in this dating relationship, he looks at you and says, you know what, if you love me as much as I love you, then you would. And in that moment, what you do is you compromise your values. You believe that what God said is that you should be pure before marriage. But you know what, you compromise and you give in. And you give in and you think, you know what, what I really want is, I just want to be loved. I just want to be loved. I want, to, I want somebody else to look at me. I know God thinks I'm all that in a bag of chips. But I want for other people to think the same thing. And I need the approval of a man. And because you need the approval of a man, you give something away that you can never get back. You compromise your values. How about us, guys? We're hanging around with a group of guys, and maybe the conversation is going in a place that we know is not appropriate. And maybe they're talking about women that we know is, is, is not, in a, uh, not in a good light. It, it, it's a way that really just puts women down. It demoralizes women. And, and, in, and in your gut, you know what? You love Jesus, and you know you should say something, but you don't. And you think about it a little bit, and you know what, because you're scared to death of what those people might say, because they might look at you and they might think that you're a Christian fanatic or a goody two-shoes or whatever it is, and because you long for the approval of others, you don't say anything. And you walk away feeling like you did a pretty good job because you didn't say anything, maybe you didn't laugh at their jokes, but you never took a stand. Or you really want to manage your money wisely, you... You know that it honors God. You know what God has to say about your finances. You know that He wants you to be free, but you end up buying things that you don't really need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy how we go into debt and we're in debt up to our eyeballs and we have possessions that we, that we don't even get any joy out of anymore. Be it a new car or new clothes or whatever the case might be, and it's like hitting a moving target. No matter what you buy, somebody else has it has one that was more expensive. They have the newer model. You can't keep up. And now you're in debt and you're drowning and you compromise your values. Another sign that you are looking for the approval of others is that you hesitate sharing your faith. How many times does that happen in a given week for followers of Jesus? 
you really love Jesus. I mean, you really do. You believe that God has radically transformed and changed your life. You really do believe that. And maybe, maybe for you, you've got a friend who doesn't know that. And you want to share the goodness of God with them, but you don't. And you shrink back. And maybe you shrink back and you think, well, time's not right yet. You know, I'm just going to pray. The Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy, Holy Spirit will tell me what to say and when to say it. And so you just keep praying and a, a month passes, two months pass, six months, a year passes, years pass. And you've never been able to share your faith with someone that you would call a very deep, intimate friend. All because you're afraid of how they'll respond to you. Finally, you might be looking or longing for the approval of others if you have a hard time saying no. Oh my gosh, this is so me. This has been so me. It was so me for a number of years. Someone asked you, say, hey, can you do this for me? And then when you're screaming, no. And it's not because you don't love that person. It's not. But literally, when they ask you that question, there's something on the inside of you. I mean, you can feel your stomach begin to knot up. You know what I'm talking about? And you can feel your blood pressure raise just a little bit, and you get this feeling in the pit of your gut, and you go, I want to help you, but I can't. I'm overextended now. I'm, I'm working more hours than I should. I've already given more of my time away than I have, and I'm dying on the inside. You should be a pastor. You, you should, really. You should be a pastor because we always have to say yes. You know? There's never an appropriate time for us to look at you and go, I'd love to, but I can't. You're a man of God. Of course I am. The key word being man. Fallible human. But because we can't say no, we overcommit. And I know what's happened. I know what happened to me. I hit a wall. I hit a wall and I fell apart. My life fell apart and my spiritual life fell apart. And, and then I took some time off and I came back. And you would think I've learned better, but I didn't. I didn't learn better. So I hit a second wall. Finally, after I hit that second wall, I came back and I stood on the stage and I looked at a group of people and I said, you know what? It ain't going to be this way anymore. It can't be. I have to spend time with Jesus. He's where I get my, my feel. And I'm no good for you. And, and I can look at people now. People say, I know you're busy. I don't want to take any of your time. I said, if I'm here right now with you, you've got me. I'm free. I've, got, I've learned how to protect myself. But I used to go through that. I was so afraid that you wouldn't like me, that you wouldn't approve of me as a pastor. So I overcommitted and overextended myself to a breaking point. Anybody else maybe struggle with that? We're a bunch of sick people, aren't we? Proverbs 29, let me tell you what it says. This is a powerful verse. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. You see that? Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Notice that word trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. The Hebrew word translated as trap carries with it the thought of the hook that people would use to put inside of an animal's nose to pull that animal around. So fearing people is allowing other people literally to lead you around by the nose. And why do we do that? Because we're afraid. We're afraid of what they might think. What they might think. And I say might think because we don't even know. How many, how, how many times do we just think maybe they think 
The look on their face, did they really mean what they said? And how many times do we walk away compromising our values, being overcommitted, all because somebody else has, a, has a, 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 a hook in our nose and they're leading us around and we're scared to death to say no because we're afraid of what other people might think. If you're a parent and your big goal is, I want my kids to, to like me, you're allowing your kids to lead you around by the nose. And I have to be honest, I see it a lot. I see fearful parents, fearful parents. I, I, just, I just want them to like me. This may shock some of you, but as parents, you haven't been called to be a buddy. You've been called to be a parent. That's your calling. And I'm going to be honest with you. You know, Karen and I are way on the other side of this now. We have a 27 and a 30-year-old. She has a 27 and a 30-year-old. I'm not old enough to have a child, children that old. She looks 30 years old. We know what that's like. We understand the struggles of a parent. It's always amazed me that people come up, how can you say? I go, I am a parent. I know what that's like. And it's cool when you can get to the stage of life that we are and that we can be friends and that we can hang out and that we can laugh and play together and we can enjoy that relationship. But let me tell you what you've been called to do is to be the leader of your home. That's what you've been called by God to do, anointed by God, empowered by God. And there's going to be times when you're going to say things to your children that they're not going to like. Actually, Proverbs 22, 6 says, direct your child onto the right path. And when they're older, they'll not leave it. So our job is to give direction, and sometimes giving direction is not going to be pleasant. But it's our calling. So how do we overcome the disease to please? I should, I should have been a rapper, I'm telling you. In my old age, it's coming more, you know, every week there's another rhyme. The disease to please. So let me give you two thoughts, two thoughts. How to overcome the disease to please. First one. You ready? Focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. <laughs> You're thinking, I could have wrote that. Keely would have said it better. Galatians chapter 1. There's a lot of verses I thought about using. But this is the verse that the God would bring me back to each and every time. Verse 10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. The Apostle Paul, this guy's a church planner. He's, his job is to evangelize the world and lead people to him. You know what I'm talking about? He wants influence, right? He wants to influence people. So he, you would think at some point he would say, man, I just, want, I just want to win the approval of people. If I win the approval of people, then I'll build confidence and then I can lead them to Jesus. But he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, then I would not be Christ's servant. This is easy. This is like Jesus 101. You could have written this message. This is simple. Everybody knows that you're supposed to please God and not please people. Can we all just say, sometimes it's oh me, but we'll try, amen. In fact, most of us in here, I think, would probably say this morning, you can't please all the people. Right. I think some of us would probably say you can't please some of the people some of the time, right? I mean, there's just some people. And then I'll tell you what I've learned in my life. There's some people you can't never please no matter what you do. Hello, can I have an amen? Men, you've made the bed only for your wife to say. Is that the best you can do? 
that wasn't me, baby, because you were awesome. Maybe you listen to a certain kind of music, and you listen to that music that one group likes, but another group can't stand. You go, I thought I was going to be one of the cool kids. Cool was shifted. Somewhere in, in the night, it shifted. And, and, you, and nobody gave you a message. You didn't get the memo. They didn't send you a text. You didn't get the email. That's not cool anymore. This is the cool music. You buy this car that one group likes, but another group can't stand. Even in your morals, we've already talked about that, that it's, it's shifting. You, you live your life that one people, one group of people will pat you on the back and say, great job, and another people will say, you're being judgmental and harsh. You can't win. So, this is easy. God should be the only one that matters. Here's my problem. My problem, my problem with that is that I was raised to think I could never please God. That's how I was raised. Uh, man, I went to church every week to get my weekly whooping. Y'all with me? So here was my thing, and, and, and I was at least honest, honest enough, I guess, with myself. When I looked in the mirror, I knew what I was. And the thing of it is, I knew I could never measure up. And so I tried, and I tried, and I tried, until I finally, I just, I just quit trying. And maybe that's where some of you have been. You know, you said, you know what, I, I, want, I want to live for the approval. And maybe I'm talking about followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about, you know, folks that aren't, haven't made the commitment yet, but I'm talking about people that have genuinely, all of your life, you've been trying to please God, but you never, ever feel like that you measure up. You can't be good enough. And that leads me to the second thought, which is this. Focus on living from the approval of God instead of for the approval of others. That's good right there. Man, that'll preach. Let me say it again. Focus on living from the approval of God instead of trying to live for the approval of others. It's a moving target. You'll never hit it. This will change your life if you ever get it. It's changed mine. If you're a follower of Jesus, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, God does approve of you. That was the point of the cross. You're approved of. Hello, y'all out there? Because that was good. He, he already approves of you. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2. For we speak as messengers approved by God. Approved by God. We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. With the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. If we have trusted what Jesus did for us on the cross and surrendered our lives to Jesus, I just want you to understand that we have been approved of by God. It's, it's an open and shut case. People aren't comfortable with this at all. And when you start talking this way, there, there, somebody wants to raise their hand and say, but, 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 pastor, but, but, but what? This is either 100% truth or it's 100% a lie. And if it's not 100% truth, none of us have any hope. 
You realize that, don't you? You're not perfect. Most of the people that walk into this place every single week already know that. That's what you've been struggling with. Is that you tried to be better, you tried to do better, but the more that you tried to improve, the worse things got. Or you did good for a week or two, or three, or six. But somewhere along the, somewhere along the way, it, just, it all fell apart. And you gave up. Because you said, God's never going to approve of me. Here's the thing. Because of what Jesus did, my worth is not based on what people think about me. And that doesn't, that's not haughtiness. That's not arrogance. That's not developing an attitude. That's not that. That's, that's humility. That's where humility comes. Whoa. My worth is based on what God says about me. So what does God say about you? Let me give you just a few verses. And just so you know that I've struggled with this uh, a greater portion of my life. Do what I do. Um, you know, just do what I do. You're in front of people every week. And there's always people that approve and people that disapprove. It's just it's a part of the game. And, and so when you're insecure and you don't understand really who you are in Christ, this can be a very fragile place to be. And, and honestly, my heart goes out to pastors, especially today. I think it's the most difficult time to be in the ministry. Let me tell you why. Because honestly, you guys can go home this afternoon. You can pop up the, your, uh, your, your computer. You can look on the Internet and hear people all around this country, the best pastors, the best preachers that the world has ever known are right there at your fingertips. All you've got to do is pull them up on your computer. And then we have to be compared to that. I remember when I was, when I was first started off in the ministry, and people come up to me and they say, you're the best preacher I've ever heard. I said, you've only heard one more. <laughs> you just don't get out much. You know, what I got going for me is you don't get out much. The only, the, only pre, uh, the only other pastors you have to compare me to are the ones down the street, you know. And so maybe there's a few of us down the street, and maybe you think, and it's a bias, but somehow you think I'm all that. But you know what? Live in my world where every day you can hear the best the world has to offer. And to feel like that, you know, you need to win people's approval. It's a trap. It's a terrible place to be. So what I have to do, what I've had to learn how to do over the years to come to a place of peace so I've had to take the word, and, and y'all know this, I tell you all the time. So in my prayer list, I, I start with just scripture that just reminds me. Because I need to be reminded, I'll forget. Because I'm human, and that's been my struggle, is sometimes the, the approval of others. And so, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. Anybody want to argue with that? Anybody that would just like to say, man, I got to kind of argue with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I give my life to Jesus. I got saved. I got to be honest with you, I still struggle with the same old stuff. Hello, anybody? Thank you. The rest of y'all, I don't know where y'all at. Because <clears throat> there's those of us that are still struggling. Here's what, listen, here's what you don't know. You don't know your identity. That's why you're continuing to struggle. You don't know the newness that Christ has brought. So then I need Ephesians 1. Oh, my God. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. It's not you might be forgiven. One day you'll be forgiven. If you'll just pray long enough, you'll be forgiven. If you'll be good long enough, you'll be forgiven. If you can finally ever just do away with that particular sin, you'll be forgiven. That's not it. You are forgiven. He's talking about our position in Christ, and your sins are 
have been, will continue to be washed away. It's done. You're forgiven. Walk in that forgiveness. You've probably heard me share this before. I'll share it again. It's a good story. Uh, yeah, I've, I led a 12-step study not, uh, not too many years ago. And I remember being in a place in this 12-step study. And we'd all been gut-level honest. And we'd shared our, our nitpick sins. And here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever struggled. Y'all probably a lot more spiritual than we are. But we were able just to admit that once you cross the line and you commit that sin, you know the one I'm talking about? Whatever your thing is. Uh, pornography. What, I don't know. Whatever, infidelity. Whatever your thing might be. You, and you cross over the line and you commit that sin. You know what you feel like? It's terrible, isn't it? You want to give up and quit, don't you? And so then, you know, it's like we're all birthed out of, out of Catholicism somehow. And so finally you just keep, i got to work my way back to Jesus. Working my way back into Jesus. Anyway, so you're kind of just working your way. And so you think, but how long? You know, I'm going to do better. I've, I've been clean. I've been clean for 24 hours. I've been clean for 48 hours, 72, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is. And somewhere along the line you finally hit that mark. And maybe it's six weeks. And then you go, whoa, I'm free. You know, God loves me again. So then you feel good. You walk into church. You start to worship. Your hands are up in the air. Praise Jesus. I mean, you love it. And then all of a sudden, Monday morning, you do it again. And then you're right back down in the pit again. This is what I share with our guys. I said, why are we in here discussing these nitpick sins that we have? We're forgiven. Hello, y'all out there? We're forgiven. I said, here's my problem. Why is it that we let this sin wreck us? But these over here don't bother us a lick. Y'all with me? Come on. Hello, come on. You know, you can lie, cheat, and steal over here, but I didn't look at porn today. Jesus, be proud. Whatever your thing is. You, you with me? I said, you know what, I'm not trying to make light of our sin. I'm just saying we should be sensitive to all sin and then understand I am forgiven. Romans 8, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm forgiven and I'm empowered. Wow, that's incredible. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. I love it when I get to share with that with people that I know are struggling. And I can maybe just give them a text and say, you don't understand who you are. You're incredible. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're a masterpiece. That's who you are. It's not wishful thinking. This is what God says about you. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Matthew 5, 14. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Not you might be, hope to be one day to be the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So don't hide your light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Those of you that are brand new to church, we lost you right there, didn't we? Kind of lost you. Romans 8. Oh, my gosh. You're a joint heir with Christ. You're special. I love sharing that with people. No, you don't know me. No, 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 no. You don't know Jesus. You are special. Respect, no, no, you don't know. No, see, that's what Jesus, so Jesus took care of that on the cross. Don't you understand what I'm saying? He paid for that on the cross. When you accepted that, 
what He did for you and you, and, and you know that He's alive and you, you believe in the resurrection, then I want you to understand, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. You're a brand new creature. You're His masterpiece. You are special. Why are you special? I'll tell you why you're special. Because the God, the creator of the universe, tells you that you're special. <laughs> you're special not because of what you've done. Because you're joined with Christ who did it all for you. Man, and if you struggle, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't you get it? That's who you are. You're not working. Your, it's not that you're, you're going to stand in your righteousness. Get out of that. It's not your righteousness. When you go before God, you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You know why? It's because you're in God's righteousness. You say, I'm going to take, I'm going to wash in the, be washed in the blood of Jesus. When I stand before God, I'm clean. Either this is true or it's the biggest lie we've ever told. <laughs> the simplest verse of the day. Oh my gosh. You are greatly loved by God. You know what the word greatly means in the Greek? It means greatly. You're amazing. If you can ever understand, I don't have to live for the approval of others to find my value. I live from the approval of God. And it's not because of me. Lest any man should boast. It's not because I'm special on my own. It's because this is what Jesus did for me. And why did he do that? Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So maybe here this morning you're a follower of Jesus and you'd say, some of you already slid up your hand. You say, you know what? I battle way too much with what others think. Maybe you're thinking right now, how do I, so okay, how do I let this go? I can tell you the only thing that works for me, the only thing that works for me literally is the Word of God. It's the only thing that works. Nothing else works. Other people, great friends, a, a, a wonderful wife, who this weekend? So good. Spoke gently and kindly. But you know what? I can say she, she's my wife. She's prejudiced. My kids. Sometimes I get the most phenomenal text from my kids. And it's the sweetest thing. But you know what I'll do? I'll say, ah, they're, my, they're my kids. And you guys are amazing to me. That's why I love being the pastor of this church. So many of you, you're so good to me. And you love on me. And you, you, you love on me so well. And I think, ah, they're prejudiced. They go to Springwell. But then when God speaks from His Word and He says, Son, don't you understand? You're special. You, son, you're my, you're my masterpiece. That I want to put, I literally, Ephesians says, to be put on display to the world. A picture of my mercy and my grace and my love and my goodness. I've said for years, if anything good happens to this church, I don't get credit for it. I've said for years, people look here and go, man, if that church can grow, it's got to be Jesus. That idiot pastor, I mean, how in the world? That's okay. It's not bad. It doesn't offend me. It's 
way it should be. It's not about how great we are. It's about how great the God that we serve is. So I'm telling you, if you're a follower and you slipped up your hand and I struggled, then take these scriptures that I've given to you this morning. Take them and read them. And if that's not enough, then you've got to open up your own Bible for yourself. Open up a Bible app. Google. I can do whatever. I mean, just search. There's so many um, opportunities for us to learn as Christians now. And then hide in His Word and say, this is what you say about me, Jesus. If that's you and you say, I struggle, I, want to, I just want to pray for us. Would you just slip up your hand and say, man, I do. I struggle way too much. I struggle way too much with what people think. Let me pray for us. Lord, honest group of people that just were willing to confess that we struggle. Lord, it's so easy. <laughs> We just want to be loved, Lord. We do. We just want to be loved. And we want to be loved by people that are not capable of loving us. Human love is conditional. That's the truth. There are rare exceptions, but Lord, that's, that's the truth. And Lord, we know that trying to win the approval of others, God can be a constant moving target that leaves us confused. Lord, you're the constant. So, Lord, will you speak to us through your word for these folks that slipped up their hand that you'll take Scripture, Lord, and allow them, as you have me, to just be able to put it in a place where they're constantly reminded that they're valuable. The price has already been paid. They can walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. Loved by you. Approved of by you because of what Jesus did. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe, maybe for you, you know, you just think, man, I've done so much. You just don't know. I've got so much baggage. I don't know how God could possibly love somebody like me. Well, He does. He's crazy about you. The cross proves it. It proves it. You cannot deny that kind of love. And He did it because He wants a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you'd like to be then in the quietness of this moment, maybe you just pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you just say, Heavenly Father, wow, I just didn't know. I had no idea. I've never been able to comprehend the depth of your love. I, I, never, I never thought that I could be approved of by you. I never, I've always tried, but I never, I failed. So this morning, I want to accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. I want to accept that. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin. I, I need you to be my Savior. From this day forward, I want to follow you to the best of my ability. I just want to follow you. Thank you for your love. Incredible love. You're amazing. It's in Jesus' name we pray.